Welcome to the Lubar Executive Education Podcast. This episode offers an introduction to behavioral economics, along with ways you can make better financial decisions personally and professionally by avoiding some of the most common mental traps competing for your dollars. I'm pleased to introduce our featured speaker, Dick Marcus, Professor of Corporate Finance and Economics at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, Sheldon B. Lubar, School of Business. Thank you, Michael, for introducing me. I'm happy to contribute to these podcasts. When I began as an economist, most of the models of behavior assumed that individuals or firm managers were making conscious decisions that were in their own best interest. This was viewed as rational behavior. If we had a group of customers, they were all self-interested, maximizing their own utility or happiness. If markets efficiently found the price that exactly matched where demand and supply were in equilibrium. And in financial markets, that they truly reflected the price or value of the underlying stock. Indeed, much finance still assumes the correctness of the efficient market hypothesis. In one simplified view of stock prices by Burton Malkiel in his classic book, A Random Walk Down Wall Street, we envision pages of the Wall Street Journal closing prices taped to a wall. In our hands are several darts. When we throw them at names of firms and invest in names we hit, we would expect to earn a return associated with the riskiness of the firms we hit. In short, the price we'd pay today for those stocks would be appropriate. The problem with assuming that individuals make rational decisions and that markets reflect prices correctly is that it isn't quite what happens in the real world. Psychologists have long studied irrational behavior, where people hurt themselves, go berserk, or become fearful of everything. Later, psychologists found that there were ways people systematically make errors in simple questions. It took some time, but economists and financial experts started to take notice and began to run their own experiments. There are whole books and classes on behavioral finance and behavioral economic blunders and biases that people often make. A short podcast can't list all of them or be a substitute for reading books like the Nobel Prize winning economist Richard Thaler and Cass Sunstein book Nudge or Gary Belsky and Tom Gilovich's Why Smart People Make Big Money Mistakes and How to Correct Them. But this podcast can be an introduction into what you would find. We used to assume that if a customer had more choice of products, he or she would find the one that suited them best. But marketers like Best Buy soon realized that if there were 15 microwave ovens to pick among, Customers unaccountably went away without buying any. Why is that, you might ask? Well, rational buyers have issues dealing with so much choice. One has special features, another is cheaper, another looks pretty. What is at issue is a behavioral problem called decision paralysis. If we pick one and not the other, we fear we make a mistake. This fear is also called loss aversion. Whichever label you give it, real-world customers freeze up at too many choices. 
What did Best Buy traditionally do to urge our confounded buyers to decide what to do? Well, they put up two or maybe three yellow tags at a few of them with the sign Best Buy and a small cheap microwave and another sign and a larger, better one. This fought off decision paralysis by reducing the selection to deciding between the two or perhaps three best ones. We can't lose because we know they are priced best. But with Google search available to most customers via their cell phones, Best Buy now has switched to having red tag discount signs on each item, saying originally $199, now reduced $20 to $179. This no longer helps in the battle of decision paralysis, but it does offer some price competition with others on these items. When Costco has people test taste test food items at the grocery store, the salesperson offers only one or maybe two flavors. This gets you to a decision. If you liked it, buy it. I remember a wonderful grocery store called V. Richard's uh, Bakery Deli in Brookfield. In that store, a table of seven flavors of jams and jellies were offered to customers on crackers. They were all so good it was hard to decide. Very few ever bought any jam or jelly. Why? Well, it was decision paralysis that led them to delay and skip buying altogether. Sadly, V. Richards permanently closed in 2014. Hence, the moral of the story is that yes, we suffer from decision paralysis, but there are ways to get around it and to make choices. In finance, there are 9,500 mutual funds, and 7,000 ETFs, and over 3,000 stocks to choose among. This kind of choice is sure to lead people to cringe. But when your employer offers choices in their 401k plans, there are often just a few suggested ones for new investors. Or when a financial advisor asks a few questions about your risk tolerance and the time horizon for your investments, they tend to come up with just a few best buys for you to get you to decide. Or when you watch HGTV television show House Hunters, the agent takes the client to three houses and asks them to decide to pick one of them. When they inevitably have problems... They suggest eliminating the worst one, reducing the choice to just two. This is all consistent with avoiding just one of the behavioral issues of decision paralysis that we all tend to have to one extent or another. Another problem we have is that we are fixated on the first thing we see or hear. Each new item then gets compared to the first. This is called an anchoring bias. If you watch QVC, notice that we first hear that others paid $29.95, but for you today, the price is only $19.95. They have tossed out an anchor against which other prices are compared. Before the pandemic, as you enter the interior mall entrance to Macy's, You see bright lights and shiny bottles of perfume and makeup. 
These are the first thing you see and smell. In a way, the pricey cosmetics form an anchor as you wander deeper into the store. The first impression of beauty, brightness, and passion sets you up for your buying experience. Some even call the anchoring bias a first impression bias. Marketers have long known that you can sell something to someone by relying on this anchoring bias. If I want you to purchase some low-cost term life insurance, my first question to you is, you want to find the lowest cost insurance for your family, don't you? What other answer can there be but yes? Now the hook is set. Whole life is pricier, but term life is cheaper. Perhaps I end up saying yes to buying some term life insurance. But life insurance agents make more money if they can sell whole life plans. Hence, my first question should be reframed to you. What if I asked, you'd love to receive dividends from your purchase of life insurance, wouldn't you? Of course, you'd say yes, as dividends sound like found money. Now the frame or anchor is set to finding plans that have the best dividends, which will be whole life plans. But there are many other similar types of blunders and issues we have, we have from mental accounting to overconfidence to the sunk cost trap to one I tend to have myself called the endowment trap. The endowment trap is very common. What I have and own, I value more than if I didn't already own it. Experiments are overwhelmingly consistent in this regard. Students are paid a fee, say $5, to participate in a business or psychology experiment on campus. You give them the cash after the meaningless test. Then you ask them if they want to buy a UWM mug for just $5. They almost always say no. They have cash. They want to keep their cash. But if you turn it around and say to the student that you'll be given UWM branded products for participating in the experiment, the result is reverse. Give them a UWM mug for their time and effort and pretend experiment. Before they go, ask if they want to sell their mug back for $5. Some will do that, but many won't. Now the mug is theirs and they want to keep it. So if you got cash, you keep your cash. If you got a mug, you keep your mug. Because its value is your endowment, your mug. Hoarders find it hard to pare down their things, toss some and sell some. Why? Because these are their things. They might need them. They like them. They don't want to let go. Hoarding is the extreme of the endowment trap. But if you grew up in Michigan, like I did, you tended to root for the Detroit Lions. Now that I've been in Packerland for over 35 years, of course, I found it easy to switch my allegiance to the Packers. But many have long-term ties to their favorite team, perhaps demonstrating the power of the endowment trap in their psyche. Generally knowing that you have biases and blunders in your thinking is helpful. We can find ways to encourage ourselves to make better choices. Like a nearsighted person 
who knows that they need to wear glasses when driving, she puts on her eyeglasses and thereby fixes her problem. Those of us who know we tend to suffer from the decision paralysis can find tricks like listing the two best ones for us and then choose. Those of us who know we are impacted by the first question asked us by a salesperson and the anchoring bias can come into the conversation better prepared to know what we really need and state that. And those of us, like I am, who suffer a tendency to from the endowment effect, we can rearrange our thinking to see that our stuff has little monetary value, that if it hasn't been used or touched in a few years, so that we can actually part with it. We can become better. Before Laertes goes off to the university early in the play Hamlet, Laertes' father Polonius ends his long advice list with the following, This above all, to thine own self be true. By knowing our own strengths and our own weakness, including our behavioral biases and blunders that we tend to make, we will be better in the university of life ahead of us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Lubar Executive Education Podcast. Good luck as you move forward on your leadership journey and check back regularly for additional episodes.